Welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Coming to you from Dallas, Texas, here's your host, Tim Wilkins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. And today's edition of the podcast is one of the most hilarious topics that I think any conservative can talk about. And that is the who in the blue hell is going to win the 2023 primary or 2024 primary, excuse me. And on court, on top of that, I'm joined by the co-host of co-hosts, Chris, joining me once again. But I will be remiss if we don't talk about a really awesome topic to kick off the show, Chris, do you know what that is? I think I might have a hint of of what we're going to talk about. The Beetlejuice of Chicago. Lori Lightfoot has lost her reelection campaign to two dumbasses that can't figure out whether or not they want to reinvent the police or fund the police. So the first time, by the way, in 40 years, the mayor of Chicago has lost a re-election campaign. It is by far one of the greatest topic choices that we can think of in the modern era to start a podcast topic with. Chris, I don't know about you, but I appreciate you joining me as always. Hope you had a great weekend. There is so much to talk about on top of many things that are going on, the conservative things like, hell, we've been proven right. Tom Cotton's getting proven right. Um, and oh yeah, Tom, Tony Fauci needs to get his pension pulled. Um, but Chris, I think Lori Lightfoot's a great topic starter to start the podcast off with. If if you want to trample on some liberal, you know, liberals, you know, just 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 make fun of her some more. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Now to uh, the uh, to, to use the OJ Simpson quote uh, or paraphrase it, the uh, Beetlejuice is not loose anymore. So definitely, uh, you know. Certainly things uh, in Chicago can't get much worse than they already were, um, you know, under her tenure as mayor. I mean, obviously, the number of shootings, homicides, um, just absolutely insane. You know, one of the one of the one of the great cities in America, you know, and, and we could talk more about the decay of, of our of our major metropolitan cities. But I think no city has really fallen further than than the city of Chicago, um, really under under Democrat leadership. 100 plus years unabated but um yeah definitely good to see that the uh that the, the voters in chicago have, have had enough of her i mean that's not to say um any of the other candidates the two remaining candidates that are in the uh the runoff are any more let's say centrist um or can hopefully uh can bring some normalcy back to the city of chicago but definitely uh really a, a black eye on the city is is longer and of course on her way out she uh, of course had to, had to drop the r word and because she's a woman so you know the usual the usual tired talking points of when something doesn't go your way you just just blame it on your skin color and on your, your gender i think honestly what we're going to talk about here is the other than the ass whooping that she received in the voting tally 
Um, I believe good old Jim Ross said it, stomping a mud hole and walking it dry. The electorate, basically, of the great city of Chicago basically said, hell nah to the nah nah. Oh, hell to the nah. And, and got rid of her. And I want to talk about this now because it's really important, is that it's going to a runoff in April. And there's two candidates that are running for the basically the mayorship of the one of the greatest cities in the country. I'm not I'm not being funny about that. Chicago is probably has a lot of culture, has a lot of great things about it, including its crappy pizza. Um which we on this podcast have debated the many pizza conversation. But the one thing that is unfortunate about the city of Chicago is that it has the highest murder rate per capita in the nation. And unfortunately, nothing was being done. So the citizens of Chicago said, something's got to go. And unfortunately, the mayor's got to go. So the, the opportunity here is that the two candidates that are running, Chris, I think I'm not sure if you've seen any of these two guys. Um, the it one is endorsed by the uh, the school boards and the school. Uh, Paul Vallas is a former CEO of the Chicago schools. Uh, we'll face um, Brandon Johnson, who is a Cook County commissioner, but he's endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union. <laughs> so it, it, I believe South Park had a great analogy that ranged true to a lot of great things. And I, I by the way, I am a full blown supporter of the boys of created South Park because of the satire that they have and the parody that they do for the life in the culture of this country. But it is the turd or shit sandwich right yep. now. And it is the douche. I'm sorry. It's douche or turd sandwich. And that's that's the correct analogy that they use. And there is nothing good about this. But at the same time, any the electorate said anybody was better than what they had. So there is one candidate here that <laughs> I, I think sincerely see has to reevaluate his entire thought on life. Um, Mister. I believe it's Mr. Johnson has a thought that he needs to reimagine the police and he wants to take a reappropriate funds that are supposed to go to the police into social services to get down to the cause or root cause. The root the cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I got I got You know what, what, what's next? We're going to have Kamala Harris come out here with some Venn diagrams, Chris. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah, we're going to have some cack. We're going to have some cackling and talking about some buses. Yeah. You know, it's just stupid. That's not going to solve anything. You know what's going to solve some problems? Hiring some more police. In, in investing in the budget of the police. Investing in the training of the officers. But, you know, uh, what do we know? We just, you know, we're just a bunch of conservatives that grew up and probably wanted to murder capitals in the freaking state of Connecticut. But, you know... New Haven and Bridgeport, Connecticut. We're just two of the finest. All right. So, but I think, yeah. you know, this is, this is part of, a, and I mean, I know, I know we move on another topic, but I think it's part of a larger conversation that we're seeing. Even, and again, these are obviously two heavily flawed candidates. I mean, there's, 
you know, again, we're not, it's not like we are, you know, we're seeing a uh, David Dinkins to Rudy Giuliani in New York back in the nineties. You know, we're, we're seeing basically, you know, a one horrible mayor uh, and then two bought and paid for teachers union, uh, you know, um, sellouts essentially. But I think it's, it's part of a larger conversation that, that the electorate, even though they, they still don't know what's the best for them and the best for their fellow citizens that you are seeing them say, listen, this is, this is too much. I mean, if you look at what we saw in New York with de Blasio, um, granted he was turned out, but you know, you had de Blasio and then granted Eric Adams has been no better, but there was a thought of, okay, Eric Adams is a little bit more of a move to the right candidate compared to what de Blasio was. Um, you look at out in Los Angeles with, uh, Unfortunately, she ended up winning, but somehow, in quotation marks, winning. But uh, Karen Bass, the, the former mayor there, uh, they had a more centrist. Yeah, we we all know why Karen Bass won that race. You know, you have more centrist. You, you had a more centrist uh, uh, in Caruso out there, who I, I think you know a lot of people thought you know, you know even a lot of Hollywood Hollywood types were were endorsing him. Um, you know, something else that just came out in the last couple of days down there in Atlanta, the uh, the Buckhead area of Atlanta, which is the northern part of it, the more affluent part of, of Atlanta that was that was really being overrun by by crime and gangs, but was, was essentially still on the whim because it was connected to the to Atlanta and, and to the Atlanta metro area. Just just said, hey, well, we're done with Atlanta. Now we basically are going to make our own government and we're going to be governed by ourselves, not be governed by the, the crazy the crazy lunatics in Atlanta. So in a way, I mean, I think we're seeing move, you know, we're seeing moves. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but we are seeing moves in some of these major metropolitan cities that people are slowly. And again, very, very slowly yeah, are, are getting fed up and tired with what is going on in those cities. All right. So I'm not sure if you knew the stats of this, this electorate here, uh, as of Tuesday evening, which I'm assuming by this morning, uh, but the the all the ballots were counted. It wasn't like one of those, hey, we got to wait two weeks to figure out who won. Um, like every every other liberal race, it's great when when the liberal race is up for grabs, they know who won the race real quick. But when it comes to if there's a conservative in the election, they got to wait two weeks to see how many people, how many votes they need to to steal and before they actually figure out who wins. But so figure out this: they have uh, Mr. Vallis, who is. Uh, uh, by the way, his stance, uh, Chris, on this is he's a hard on crime candidate. Uh, he's he's more in favor of the uh, the crime, uh, putting more you know police on the street and being a hard on crime uh, stance. And uh, he had the fraternity order of police is not you know endorsement and things along those lines. But uh, so this give you an idea here. He wins. Mr. Vallis had 34% of the vote, probably has more now as of this reading of this podcast. Uh, Mr. Johnson had 20% and Beetlejuice of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot had 17%. So figure this out is that a woman that pretty much swept the entire city. Okay. Swept the city. She literally won every single ward in the city by a large margin four years ago. Did not win this time. So it paves the way. It paves. It paves. 
to actually do your job well. Pete Buttigieg didn't do his job very well, but he got a nice corporate job. Not a corporate job, but a nice federal job, and he can't even do that well. So maybe Madel Juice of Chicago has a nice federal job paid out for her sometime. Maybe being like the Secretary of Agriculture or something. Who knows? Joe Biden looks higher and losers. So uh, that being said, we're going to transition over to uh, a very good topic. Chris, I think the secondary topic is the most important topic. The entire reason why we do this podcast today is so far we have three candidates, maybe four, maybe five. Who knows? It is Wednesday evening. Hell, we might have three more candidates announced they're going to run for president. Who knows? It is presidential primary season, better known as the roulette wheel of greatness. Who in the world will win the 2024 GOP primary? And I already know who's going to win. I think you know who's going to win. Just going to take some time to figure it out and get your head wrapped around it. But we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, so far we have Donald Trump, former president, number 45, Nikki Haley, uh, and a CEO of a, uh, a, a, hatch, uh, a hedge fund. And we have not heard anything from Mr. Ron DeSantis. We have not heard anything from Mr. Mike Pompeo. We have not heard anything from Larry Hogan, Chris, you know, Governor Chris Sununu, or Christy Nome. Was she announced already? Uh, but Chris, who in the world would you like to win the GOP nomination? That's the best question. If we could do a whole podcast topic on who can win the nomination, that would be a phenomenal topic, which we will do. Once we actually have a full set field, at this point, we only got three or four people. So it's like basically throwing darts at a dartboard and figuring it out. But I think so far, man, uh, one topic I want to get your thoughts and views on so far the first four people that I have announced. And I'll let you go. Let you be free him. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, the the uh, the elephant room is, uh, is President Trump. Obviously, has, has hey, is that is that a fat joke, sir? That's not a fat joke. <laughs> that's not a fat joke. But yes, the, uh, President Trump obviously uh, announced he, he he will try and regain the office that was taken from him. Um, 45, and, 47. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously right now he is the head and shoulders uh, favorite to win the, win the nomination. Um, you know, all, all roads lead that, that Ron DeSantis will, will be running uh, in 2024. Fake uh, news. So we'll, we'll, you know, and there's obviously been a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of President Trump giving, giving uh, Governor DeSantis the uh, the bumper. Um, and you know, I, as I've said before, yes, it is possible to like both President Trump and and Governor DeSantis. Like there's to me, there I'm not a DeSantis, you know, I'm not a never Trumper or a never DeSantis guy. Like I, I don't think you can be as a conservative. I really, I, I doubt no. you can be. You know. No, they're both, they're both, fight, they both are fighting. They both have, have their eyes keen set on what, what, what is going on in the culture wars. I think President Trump, obviously, I think is stronger on foreign policy, just based on obviously what he did when his time in the president, you know, when he was in the Oval Office. And when you look at what Governor DeSantis has done with Florida, taking on, you know, the woke, the woke, woke culture and the diversity uh, diversity movements of, of businesses in Florida, um, especially with Disney. I mean, he 
he's 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 fearless. Um, so no, to me, I I don't look at these guys and say I'm you know. Ultimately, the the vote uh, the GOP voters will vote who is the best candidate, and if it is indeed if it is whether it's President Trump or Governor DeSantis, we'll we'll, we'll ultimately see what happens. Uh, in terms of the other two two uh, announced candidates, Nikki Haley, I mean, obviously she's the epitome of the establishment. Um, you know, I, I don't think she you know she might be lucky to get two or three percent of the of the electorate. Um, you know, she obviously was was in the Trump administration. Um, you know, it, um, in, with the UN, but I mean, just your run-of-the-mill Republican. Uh, not nothing, nothing too uh, much. To uh, yeah, sorry, she turned her back on the administration. Sorry, um, yep. <laughs> that is the. So, uh, she she left. She took her ball and went home halfway through the presidency. And I, I have, I understand President Trump. I, I'm not gonna really take it personal type stance that he did. You know, but. At the same point, he said, "Do what your heart tells you to do." You're not gonna. I, I know what he's thinking. And I think Chris, you do too. She ain't gonna pull more than one percent. So why the hell am no. I gonna tell her not to? You know. And so, in in my personal view, the more people that enter the race, it favors Trump. As it favors, as it favors Trump. Unfortunately, the RNC, which is a really this is a big topic of conversation now amongst conservatives is how what the RNC has done to change their rules. And going into the primary season, to pretty much cater to the strongest, I would say four, possibly two, is that other than the primary debate uh, pledge, which, by the way, you can read all this news as well, the RNC is making every presidential candidate primary candidate actually take the pledge that says they will actually support whoever is the nominee before they elect, they step on foot on that stage. And the first debate has already been set for Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I'm not sure the date yet, but they, it's the tent they set the venue already. And the other rule change that's really, really fascinating to me that I need to get to the bottom of is I believe it's the top two campaigns that have the most funding will be, supported heavily down the road. I, I forgot the exact rules that they're doing, but they're pretty much catering to the top two candidates. And then once, you know, once it gets to like super Tuesday, you know, when it comes to that and I don't know about you, Chris, but I think it kind of goes down to the two juggernauts, which we already know who the juggernauts are going to be. I, I think realistically, I don't think Another candidate's going to come along and do what Trump did in 2015 and basically pimp slap the shit out of Jeb Bush and, lie, and, and, and Ted Cruz and take over the nomination. I don't think it's going to happen. No, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be difficult. As I, I think I even mentioned before, back when President Trump first announced he was he was running, it, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a challenge for I think any of these candidates to find lightning in a bottle twice. I think. I think that that was such an anomaly, um, but I, I truly do believe, you know, um, you know, for President Trump. Obviously, everything he said that was going to happen under under the leadership under this regime has has happened. Um, now the question will be, and that's a very that, scary. I, I'll say, Chris, that's the probably the scariest thing that a lot of liberals, I, even even people that are moderates and independents. They were thought they were he was blowing smoke up their ass. 
you know, like, oh, yeah, he's just being pissed off and, he, and stuff. But, like, everything that he said was going to happen has happened. I mean, everything from top to bottom, foreign policy, domestic policy, every single thing. And the guy, Chris, I think you're going to attest to this. Whoever the GOP nominee is going to be, it's just going to club. Uh, Joe Biden has to go out of the campaign trail. They're going to force him out like the freaking great. It's not, it's not going to be Groundhog Day where they leave him inside his little bunker. No, no. You're going to come out and play. And he's he's not going to enjoy that ass whooping. I'm telling you. I don't mean to talk bad about the President of the United States, but that boy is going to take him around for a lap. A days of Thunder analogy come to play. Hit the pace car. Because it's going to be, I'm telling you, that that you think, I think we both watched Mike Pence debate Kamala Harris. And just, it was like the analogy, all the memes that came out with his clubbing people. It was just great. But I think yeah. whoever wins the GOP nominee, the company, the country will be in better hands with a conservative president. There's no doubt about it. Um, the party, unfortunately, Chris, I think needs to get their heads so far out their own ass and uh, get 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 going. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's bad. Trump can only do so much. DeSantis can only do so much. You know, these policies that they're talking about implementing, which I think, Chris, I think you heard Trump. Uh, he has come out pretty, pretty good on social media uh, between true social and everything else on the, the, the hard on China policies, the a lot of different things that he has stance on. I know some of us has, we have heard these things before, but they might be new to some people. But I think Trump now isn't sounding so windbaggish is a nice way to put it. He sounds very crisp on foreign policy now. And that's something that Ron DeSantis, he's lacking. But at the same time, I don't think people are going to really listen to to all the, the lack of foreign policy chops. Because we had Barack Obama, who was a senator, who didn't have any foreign policy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, you know, again, Trump had never held public office. I mean, this guy, he literally went from businessman, reality star, all, all the above to the president of the United States. I mean, I mean, how, I mean, that, that is insane in, in and of itself, but what he was able to accomplish in four years with people backstabbing him, with people working behind his back, heck, even, even some, probably some family members, right? We don't, sure, some family members, you know, he wasn't really given a fair shake um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the first hundred days, the, the, um, the vacation they call it or the honeymoon that they call it for the president. He was never given that. I mean, within five or six hours after he was inaugurated, they were already talking about impeaching guy. I mean, this man was never given a fair shake as the president of the United States. So we don't know what he could have accomplished. We don't know how, you know, all we know is the accomplishment. And, and you forget, you forget president. one big thing too. You forget the China virus and, yep. uh, if you yeah. eliminate the China virus from his presidency, what would have happened? And exactly. I'm sorry for all you listeners out there, but it's not racist to say the China virus because we're just stating a simple fact where it came from. China. Yeah. And it came from If you don't now, believe now, me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now, 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 the New York, now the New York Times has finally come around and said that it, it might have it come out of a, out of a lab. In I, I just, dude, I don't get how, and this is seriously stupid. I, I don't get how 
a, a senator from Arkansas called it out. You had Rand Paul basically calling out Tony Fauci for almost two years. And he got pretty much shunned publicly, you know, for all the stuff that he said. And now he's being basically proven right. And Tom Cotton doesn't want a pat on the back. He just wants it squared away. He said on on on, on Fox and Fox and Friends in the morning. He he didn't he doesn't want no pat in the back. He wants to get to the bottom of it. You know, he wants to prove it, it's not fair what happened. And I listen, I think what's gonna happen though, Chris, I, this is kind of a not off off topic here, but it's Trump is gonna have to defend his reaction to COVID. And I don't think he's gonna like to do that. I, I understand people don't want to think about this, but a lot of things that happened in this country was because he was going based on the information he was given. That's if, if he was a logical, unemotionable person, that's a political statement. I was doing what I was given the best information at the time. However, knowing what we know now, hindsight is what it is. We can't Monday morning quarterback this. Trump's going to have to take it on the chin a little bit because DeSantis as well. DeSantis did... There is some videos out there, and Laura Loomer has posted these on Twitter of him actually, you know, talking about shutdowns and pushing the vaccine and things like that. So there is, I would call it, not enemy combatant territory here when it comes to, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, Op-ed research is a nice way of putting it. There is that kind of stuff out there. It's just the GOP is going to have to take some kind of ownership of our COVID response a little bit because a lot of people are on the hook for it, dude. I mean, I don't know about you, but did I approve of everything that Trump was talking about? No, (laughs) but at the same time, we, we did what we, he did what he thought was right. Was it perfect? I don't think so. It's proven not to be, but what do you, you know, that's the thing I think is going to affect him as a person because he has to go against his own, his own policies in that situation. You know, it's going to be something cool. that, you know, and I, I think, and, and is, you know, the Sanders will and, hammer him for, for a lot of other things. You know, his, I, I really don't see how, and this is where I know we talked about it. It, it DeSantis being the, the nominee. I, I, I don't, I brought this up many, many times. I don't see how if, listen, I think if you look at the, the, the details, the stats on the, on the paper, does it all work while for DeSantis? Absolutely. Age, young, young president, which a lot of people are craving. Two, very, very opinionated. He's very, he's, it's a culture warrior as you can get. Very in tune to the party. The thing that's kind of going to hurt him is that a lot of the hard conservatives don't really know who he's going to pick for a VP if he wins. If he picks Nikki Haley or, you know, some rhino then we got problems. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so Trump, <laughs> we know what we're getting. We already know this man. 
There is no unmitigating factors that are going to impede our knowing of what we're going to get. He might be a little tamer now. Who knows? I think he's actually changed a little bit for the better for certain things. Um, you know, I think a lot of things that he's doing now in his personal life with True Social, and, and I know obviously he lives in Mar-a-Lago and everything else, he's had some time to reflect on what he did. And I think if if you ask him personally if he can go back and do some things over, either with cabinet or with other things, there's some things he probably could have done differently. But you got to give the man a shot. Let him try to make it right. That's I, that's just my view. Let the man make him right. You know, and I think DeSantis, DeSantis will be the candidate either sooner rather than later. I mean, I, I, I see his future very bright in the party. Chris, I think you can agree. If he doesn't win the primary here, he's got it locked up in 28. It's, it's a no brainer. Absolutely. No, I, and I, and I, I, you know, we, and we, we'll have to get one more uh, candidate to touch on, um, but kind of finishing this conversation. I, I, I do think, I do think it will be interesting to see where, where the position, where their position needs to be. Um, you know, I thought obviously President Trump, you know, and, and again, we know politicians, they, they, if there's a crisis, they can position themselves. And I think President Trump did a tremendous job in positioning himself by going up to, uh, by going up to Ohio there and, and bringing relief out of his own pocket. And that, that was good. That was good. Um, you know, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens here over the next few months. And I think this will obviously be a conversation we can come back to several times throughout the remainder of this year and then looking towards obviously next year with the with the uh, presidential election. Um, but one one last candidate that, that obviously did did announce he is running um, again, not, not a very well-known name um, unless you, unless you do watch a lot of uh, cable news, but definitely a young guy. He's got he's, you know, he's charismatic as well, but just in opposite name recognition. But I, I tend to believe he's looking for more of a cabinet position is Vivek Russian Swami. Um, you've probably seen him quite a bit on Tucker Carlson. He he has a good instep into the culture wars. He talks a lot of, uh, a lot about, you know, this whole ESG movement, the uh, basically the, the woke movement that we're seeing in these corporations where these um, through the environmental social government governance, basically a, a social credit score for business. Um, but he he's been very in tune with that again. Um, very, very he has a lot of candor i believe his uh his parents are immigrants from india um he's he's a ivy league educated very very smart guy um but again he's he's probably not even going to be a one percent guy but i think in terms of in with a in a republican-led um republican-led administration a guy like him could have in terms of his business sense and savvy could definitely have a place in a in a in a prominent cabinet role for sure I think, unfortunately for him, he sounds too much like the other candidates in the room. And so his name recognition, unfortunately, you're right. His name recognition isn't quite there. But the problem that you have as well with him is where do you see the path? Where do you, you know, so you don't enter, and I, and I hate to say this to a lot of people, and I do. I, I think he's doing the right thing by entering himself in the race. Is, is it a is it a is it a issue that he wants to campaign on? Okay, cool. Culture war. Okay, 
The thing is, you got two of the biggest candidates in the party are superstars in that situation. So where do you navigate yourself around them to kind of carve your way out a little bit of a, a percentage or two or five or six or seven to get to that point? I think you're right. I think he's going to carve himself into a cabinet position. I'm sorry, but Larry Cutlow uh, is a gem and he's a Rhodes Scholar. He's who I love to listen to every day on business, on the Fox Business Channel. Uh, if you don't like listening to him, he's a very intelligent person. Before he got into Trump's administration, listen to him all the time beforehand, too. That's why he, Larry, Larry Cutlow is phenomenal. And I'm sorry, but you're not getting, you're not getting a job that he, he had before. I, he might get like a, maybe secretary of the treasury or something stupid, but I'm not saying the secretary, the treasury is stupid, but I'm just saying in general, um, there's a lot of cabinet positions that, over the years, Chris, I think you can agree with me on this, have, including this administration, that have gone to people that are not qualified to get it. And we're seeing that the lack of leadership pays dividends over time, over time, over time. I'm not going to kick a dead horse in the mouth because I'm tired of it. But as working in logistics for a living, seeing the transportation secretary just not have a freaking clue what he's talking about every single time it gets to a podium. And I, I'm not going to get on my soapbox right now, but it needs to get on one here. Pete Buttigieg needs to resign or just, just go home. He Trump going, you talked about it, Chris, you talked about Trump going to, you know, Pal East Palestine, Ohio. He didn't have to do that. Okay, I'm not talking about a campaign stop. He shouldn't even have to do that. The administration lack of leadership, including in the cabinet secretary, the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, all didn't go. It's a sad state of affairs when the cabinet secretary, the transportation secretary, says it's Trump's fault. Really? Do you even know your own policy regulations? You when, stupid when in, moron. When you in doubt, it's Trump's moron. fault. When in doubt, it's Trump's fault. Do, do you that, even know your own regulation? I mean, I hate to say this, man, but I don't mean to cut you off, but he didn't even know his own regulations in his own federal department of transportation. Okay? They found out, by the way, it was a ball bearing issue. It was a failed ball bearing. Okay? That's what, they, that, that's what Ted Cruz came out and said. That they found this is this is what the issue was. It had nothing to do with said regulation or deregulation during the Trump administration. Now, I do give these senators some credit for what they're working on right now, because that's what they can do being in a legislative body. Is they're trying to work on that these rail carriers, which that's what they are, they're railroad carriers, have to declare what's on their trains, you know, and and to the local authorities. I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's I'm surprised that it's not done already, but I think uh, I'll be working in the industry. Rail is probably one of the, how do I put it? The fastest growing sector in the industry in the last 10 years with the use of rail. I know people think that everything gets moved by truck, but a lot of things get moved by rail. 
Um, and in this case, they're, they're talking about the chemicals. I, I don't mean to go on a tangent here, but I, I Pete Buttigieg really should resign. Uh, it, there is no, I'm not trying to get on a soapbox about it, but he really should for lack of competency to do the job. It's, it's a blatantly obvious. We're not just talking about this poly, this issue with East Palestine, Ohio. We're talking about the airline industry with Southwest. Do we haven't had a, our skies in the United States have not had no airplanes in them since 9-11. And this moron, that's what I'm going to call him for now on. He's a moron. Really just can't, I, I believe he can manage a port john better than the transportation department. Um, But it's sad, man. And, and I think going forward, not to close out this podcast here, but I think we need to close it out with this. I think the GOP is in good hands, whoever wins. And hopefully that is the man that I think will win. Um, he will be the first president in a long time that has won uh, off, uh, I would say, you know, different different terms in office and become president. Um, president Trump, I'm sorry to say this, man, got the wrong shake of the sand there, and he deserves another shot. You know, Ron DeSantis is the future. I understand that, but the future is it now. And the future is in four years when Trump cannot be, I believe the law, Chris, you might be able to better tell me this, but is it eight years total or is it consecutively? Maybe you might be able to help me out with that. Um, I, I think, I think it's, uh, I think once, once you fulfill it for once you fulfill eight years in office, that's it. I don't think it needs to be, it doesn't matter if it's consecutive or not. Two terms consecutive. Hold on, looking it up. Sorry, <laughs> this is this is the life of the, the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, passed in part by Congress in 1947, thanks to good old <laughs> FDR, because he tried to run for a third term during wartime. Uh, he is actually limited to president two terms in office, total of eight years. But it is possible, however, for a president to serve. As of 10 years. So, where does that say? Hold on. So, let's just say, hypothetically, uh, the vice president becomes the president. He finishes out the term. Then he gets elected to two terms. That's 10 years. So. I think overall, man, uh, we're going to be... That's just going to be what it is. Uh, I think, I, honestly, I, I don't hate, listen, I don't hate Ron DeSantis. I think a lot of people get this discredit for me not enjoying Ron DeSantis here. But, Chris, I think a lot of people, I, I asked a very, very simple question. What is Ron DeSantis going to do for me or a conservative outside the state of Florida that Trump can't do? What policy is Ron DeSantis going to do for people outside of Florida other that Trump can't do? And if you can answer that with seriousness, if, if Ron DeSantis can answer those questions, then he will be the nominee. There's no question about that. I think Trump, if, if, his, if his demeanor and his other things are like he was in office the first time, he will not be the primary. He will not win the primary. 
the voters elect her. Yes, they love him to death. The GOP, every conservative loves him. He's a great person. But the writing will be on the wall come Super Tuesday if it's versus him versus Ron DeSantis. And it's a it's an issue of demeanor and character and age. Ron DeSantis is going to win that, Chris. I don't know about you and your thoughts on that, but I think seriously, it's a it's gonna if it comes down to two of those guys, it it, it really is a Ron DeSantis show. But it 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 has to Ron DeSantis has to paint a narrative where he differs from Trump. If he doesn't do that, it's basically a Trump win. That's just the way I look at it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the telltale sign is how does he differentiate himself? And and and, and again, I don't want uh, you know be a dead horse, but and you know Trump even alluded to it and said, which I which I I about seventy five percent agree with, with with Trump is that you know a big portion of the reason why Ron DeSantis won was because of President Trump. That's not to say after he got into office that he didn't. Build, you know, build up his political capital, and that's why he won by twenty, by you know, twelve, thirty. Why he won by nearly twenty or over twenty points in in his reelection campaign? Yeah, he, uh, I believe, Jr. would say, "Stop a mud hole in someone's ass and walk it dry." Yeah, he did that pretty but, good. You know, won by an uh, absolutely incredible margin, and that was because obviously his. There was no capital- quality candidate though. If the DNC put a quality candidate up there, I'm sorry, but Charlie Chris isn't really a quality candidate. No, but, not easy. no, but uh, I mean, if you put him up a quality, okay, the candidate that went against Ron DeSantis the first time was a cokehead. No offense, I'm not, I'm not speaking allegedly here, but you know, it was well documented. Just saying. Yeah, I but mean, nothing personal when, against the guy that ran against DeSantis, but they found cocaine in many hotel rooms. The guy had I a mean, drug problem. When, I'm when not kicking to- a dead horse on that, but it's like you know, you're, 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 you know, you're gonna lose that over time, you know. When it comes when it comes down to it, you know, DeSantis only won by thirty thousand votes in two thousand eighteen. So, um, and 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 President Trump was a big part of what got Ron DeSantis over the finish line. We'll never know exactly what percentage that was because of President Trump, but the fact of his endorse his endorsement obviously carried a tremendous amount of weight um, for any any Republican uh, candidate. So, but that's not to say now that Ron DeSantis through what he's done. In the state of Florida, um, you know, doesn't have political capital. So, in a way, I—that's where I'm like, you know what? Both of them are telling truth. You know, both of them are telling the truth there when it comes down to it. And politics is dirty in and of itself. It doesn't, you know, politics is dirty. I, but I, I just think, I just think here, here's the lie and the problem here. The GOP, the Rhino argument is that Trump lost the Senate for them in 2020. And they lost his endorsement of Herschel Walker is what lost, you know, the Senate in 22. Like there were some flawed candidates in 22 that had a Trump endorsement that lost. And I disagree with that argument for one simple fact. Um, give me somebody better. You know, if Rhino's, if the Rhino, if the RNC was so wanting somebody better. They could have put the money behind the candidate during the primary season and put that as a person up for election. You talk about Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz was endorsed by Trump, endorsed by Sean Hannity, endorsed by the the right. It was a supportive candidate. Still lost 
because he's a flawed candidate. He's not flawed in a sense of his personal reasons. He just well, I mean, his it, well there, there, there's I'm talking like the, the the there's no like he's not a drug dealer. He's not you know narco you know narcos or anything like that. I'm talking about like he has a very iffy political you know this thought process. You know he's not a in my opinion he's a rhino. He was a rhino. That's just what I thought. And so who, but at the same time, Trump's argument in that situation for Pennsylvania was you guys didn't give me many options. So I'm going to endorse the candidate that we think we can win. Okay. You know, like Herschel Walker, uh, you know, I think op-ed research got him in there. Uh, I hate to say he lost his campaign there. You know, op-ed research got the whole lot of personal stuff there and they started leaking. You started hearing uh, Chris, you can, I know we're leak. We're going down a tangent here, but you saw this drip, drip, drip of his personal life stuff kind of happen as the campaign kind of wore on. And it got to a point where you're like, where are all this crap coming from? And it, it doesn't really help. So Not without doubt, without that being doubt. said, man, I, I think we're going to, close it up here man i don't think i don't mean to, we can go on this all day but i think seriously my pick is still going to be donald trump for the gop primary you're probably going to go around to santis we're going to meet in the middle and hedge it out and uh, I, i'm six, I'm still gonna, six I'm months still gonna lean, <laughs> i'm still going to lean towards trump right now but again there's a lot of a lot of things can change over time here but right now right now even 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 if DeSantis were to announce his candidacy tomorrow i still think trump is the uh is the odds on favorite that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you have our picks here first. Live on March 1st, 2023. If you don't like it, I got two words for you. Uh, that being said, Chris, appreciate you joining me as always. Uh, you know, we'll do it again next week for another fun filled edition of the Yankee okay. Cowboy podcast. And, uh, you know, next week, uh, y- you know, let's have some fun next week. And what do you want to talk about next week? Anything good? I don't know. Let's, let's we'll discuss it. Let's, it. We'll discuss what we want to talk keep, about next week. <laughs> let's keep let's keep the people uh let's keep the people uh on their, on their seats. Oh yeah, the, the fly by the seat of their pants. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you joining me as always. Feel free to like, subscribe, uh follow us on Twitter. And as like as always, man, have a good week. Enjoy the week. Uh enjoy Las Vegas for all you NASCAR fans. Don't get too drunk, do stupid. And uh remember NFL combines this week as well. So and the XFL. And the XFL. Make sure you like, subscribe to the XFL. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. Feel free to follow us on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Facebook.